So kia ora, my name's Carl Burrows. Um, this is Haka and the Matrix. Why Haka and the Matrix? Haka is what we do, it's what we love, but also Haka is really representative of the Māori knowledge that has been passed down to us. And Matrix is really the representation of the different worlds that we have, in, have to navigate through as we go through life. Uh, and I'm thinking of Neo and his journey through the Matrix and how he, he went through um, his journey understanding what his ultimate purpose in life was. And I think as Māori, we're really lucky to have uh, these tools that have been passed down from, to us from our ancestors. I think uh, we need to share those with others, and I'm just really interested in, in uh, the limits around that and how we should be going about around doing that. So with us today, um, I've got Amelia, Amelia Butler. You can see Amelia right here now. Uh, kia ora, Amelia. Um, I'll come okay. to you soon, Amelia. I'm just going to do a quick mihi-mihi in te reo Māori, um, followed by a karakia. Um, just to let you know, uh, Amelia and I may speak some Māori as we go through this program, uh, and it's really just, um, you know, most of it should be quite obvious from the context. If it's not, it's probably too complex to be able to explain in briefly in English. Um, but if you have any questions, just feel free to ask uh, in the chat, and we'll, oh, Amelia will get back to you on those. Uh, so, tēnei e mihia tukiao koutou, e whakarongo mai ki tēnei uri o Taranaki, e mihi kauwana. Tēnā anō oki i rungi te kaupapa o te wā, miki ko ngā taonga tukuiho o tātanei tūpuna. Miki ka hurikia rātou ngā mate o te wā, e hinga hinga na ki te kāinga, ngā mate e takoto i rungi ngā marae, haere, haere, haere atura. Rātou ki a rātou, tātou ki a tātou, a te hunga ora, a tēnā koutou, a kia ora mai tātou. Tātai, waka papa, ko rangi ko papa ka puta ko rongo ko tāne mahuta ko tangaro ko tumatui ngā hau mie tiki tiki ko tāpuri mātou. Tokona tarangi ki runga ko papa ki rā. Ka puta ko tērā tangata ki te oiao ki te ao māra ma ti hae mauri ora. So just briefly on that, wakapapa, on that uh, karakia tātai wakapapa was something that um, was given to us at Rangiatea when we were at Wānanga in Taranaki. I love it because it's it's simple. It's something that children can learn. It acknowledges the origins of the universe, uh, rangi and papa, earth and heaven, uh, the gods, tira, uh, our ancestors, tira tangata, all of humanity. And we finish with the words tihei mauriora, which as we know, acknowledges the first breath of life um, of ourselves individually, but also the first breath of life of humanity. Um, and it finishes with this phrase, uh, yeah, well, when, when we say tihei mauri ora, we also, I like to think of it as us saying, here we are, we exist, I am. Uh, we exist in the here, in the now, in this very point in time, in this very place, uh, because of those who have gone before us, our ancestors. And that's how we acknowledge them, that's how we connect to them, right back to the gods um, and to the universe. Um, and it enables us to connect with each other. Hiroi anō, ka huri ki a koe, Amelia, ngā mahi ki a koe, ngā tiwai, ngā puhi, ngā tiawa, e noko ana ki tērā pito te ao ki California, ahako ki i tēnei wā, Mokiana ki Aotearoa koe e tēnei wā, a tēnā koe nau maharama ki tēnei hōtaka. Kia ora mai. Kia ora, kia ora e hoa. Ka poi. Amelia, so where are you right now? 
which is about 45 minutes from Afangarei in Te Taitokero. And we uh, came back here about two months ago for the, I guess, to be here for the lockdown. Yeah, so where did you come from? I came from Te Paonga Anahira in Los Angeles. Okay. I live in uh, Burbank in California. Uh, so I came out here with my uh, two girls. Yeah, the three and how's of us. it been for you um, living back at home for these last couple of months? Um, it's been really awesome. It's um, it's just it's been a really great time of just being, you know, in our ho kainga on our ancestral homeland, and just you know connecting with the the beach, the moana. Um, we haven't been able to see a lot of Fano members, but you know I've still seen a few. So it's just been really good living back here yeah. um, at this time. So we're you know, we're really lucky that we could, you know, that we could come back home here. So yeah, it's been good. Uh, so, so everyone knows I just had, I had the lucky chance to talk to Aria, who's Amelia's daughter. Um, how old is Aria? She is seven. Yeah, and she, so she's back um, where her grandmother went to primary school. She's going to the same primary school. I think that's pretty that's pretty cool, you know, taking your children. We live all over the world now, so having this opportunity to be able to, be able to take our children back to where um, they originally come from through their grandparents is pretty amazing. Yeah, it, it was pretty cool. Yesterday was her first day at, at Kura at school in uh, New Zealand, uh, her first day at New Zealand school, and she's loving it. She is, yeah, having a blast. So, yeah, yeah um, it's been really neat. And she's okay with bare feet, yeah? Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. I, l I let my kids, they walk around in bare feet in America. It's probably right. not a good idea, but, you know. Okay, so I um, got to know Amelia through our Haka Works um, business, um, where we go and teach uh, Haka and Tikanga Māori around the world, um, and we've been doing quite a lot of bit of work in Los Angeles. And so, tell our listeners how you ended up. Well, first, I'd like to know a little, a little bit more about you, your upbringing in Auckland. Um, you went to university. Uh, and I want to hear about that, about you ended up doing something different in terms of dance and pursuing your career and ended up in LA. So tell us a bit about that. Sure. Um, so, um, I te reo Māori, te reo Pākehā rānei? I te reo Pākehā. Okay, kāpai. So I, I grew up in Auckland. I was born in, a, in Auckland there and um, was raised there. And um, I went to... Uh, Auckland University. Um, so at Auckland University, I studied, um, I did a law degree and also an arts degree. And for my arts degree, I majored in Māori, but I always actually just wanted to dance. And so once I finished my degrees, I moved to Australia to pursue a dance career over there. Um, then I was there for about a year and I came back to New Zealand and I had the opportunity to go to America on a student work visa, which would let me um, go over there as a recent graduate and work over there um, in any field. And so um, that's what I did. I'd always wanted to live in America, always been really just attracted to that whenua, that land. And so I, I moved over there, um, moved over to Los Angeles, and I was there 
for about a year. And uh, six months into my time in Los Angeles, I connected with an, an agency um, and they ended up sponsoring me. So they sponsored me for, um, for dance and also for um, commercial print uh, modeling, that kind of thing as well. And so that's how I got to live over in Los Angeles. I was on um, the entertainment visa, which is the O1 visa. And um, I was over there just dancing, doing shows, music videos. Um, so tell me, what, what do you mean by dance? I mean, you've got to be a bit, oh, um, yeah, I know type of dance and who, who was it with? I mean, I want to understand what it is that, what it is about America that made you want to leave and go over there as well. I don't know. I just was always, I don't know. I just always felt like a, I just really wanted to go there. Um, and also because the specific type of dancing that I, that I do do is hip hop and also break dancing. And, you know, a lot of like that specific, those dance styles were, they you know, were founded in America. And so I just always wanted to go over there and, you know, see America and be in the industry. So, um, and then LA, you know, I, found out LA was the place to go to um, if you yeah. wanted to pursue a career in commercial dancing, which is generally more um, hip-hop dancing versus like ballet or contemporary or anything like that. So so I just thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to LA. So I just I went there by myself. I just knew only one person because I had been there um, before um, with some other dancers from New Zealand. And, yeah, just – made made a made my home there so yeah but definitely how, a lot of i mean okay but also you told us that you did a law degree um you did an arts degree and i mean it must have been a pretty brave decision to say hey i'm presuming law is not your passion um dance probably is it just it's a brave decision to move away from something you're trained in um that could be quite lucrative and to move into something that you love yeah and i you know i think for me um just because of you know my family and um a, a part of me you know it was just kind of something that my parents wanted me to do so um my uh parents said to me okay Amelia you can go and go and get your university degree and then you can do whatever you want and so I you know I did that I got got a law degree and an arts degree and then I was like all right I'm gonna dance now follow my dream so yeah so that's how come I ended up doing law and arts um, at Auckland Uni. But it, it, I was never, like it wasn't something that I did want to pursue on a professional level, even though, although I did get admitted to like the bar high court of New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I just was very passionate and still am about dancing. Tell us about some of the opportunities that you're experienced while you've been over here in, in the US. Um. Oh, there's just a lot of opportunities in America that you just we don't have in New Zealand because we're just a smaller um, country. But I mean, in terms of doing things in the hip hop industry, um, you know, being able to um, audition and meet like really well-known artists, being in like hip hop showcases, hip hop performances, um, you know, traveling with different artists. Um, being in music videos so yeah it was it's a lot of fun it's you know it's a lot of work but it's also it's a lot of fun and so is, is there any highlight sorry and just is, is there a <laughs> highlight that stands out for you um like um, somebody that you looked up to that you worked with or um yeah oh 
gosh. Um, oh, God, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I didn't really, I did a few things here and there with some well-known artists, but nothing like super huge or anything. So, um, yeah, no, I, you know, not Tough really one. any names, but, but yeah, just kind of being in the industry, I think was my highlight, like mm -hmm. going over there from New Zealand and just being able to be in that space. It's, you know, it's a LA's far away from, you know, home. So, yeah. Tell us a little bit about, uh, your upbringing in Auckland, um, being from Ngati Wai and because, what I'm really interested in this journey that you've taken um, coming over to LA as a dancer and then getting involved and in sharing your culture. But tell us a little bit about your upbringing. So, um, you know, I was raised in Auckland in uh, central Auckland and, um, you know, raised in a pretty uh, Pākehā, Te Ao Pākehā, pretty like Pākehā context. Um, but, you know, my mum, so my mum is Māori and my dad is Pākehā. And so my mum always kept a really strong connection with, with our haukainga, with, which, which is where we are right now. And so often we would come up north to see our nana and our whanau. And so that was always a big part of our upbringing. Um, I also went to Kohangareo, which, was, which is our Māori learning language nests and um, got to learn a bit of the reo, our Māori language there. And yeah, as I grew up, I always um, just felt a really um, strong connection with my Maori culture. And so I um, went to secondary school and the school that I went to actually didn't have Maori as an option. So my mum actually had to fight the school and the principal to allow me to learn te reo Maori by correspondence. So I learned Maori, um, it was me and one other girl in a small room by ourselves, just um, by correspondence. So we would fill out our workbooks and we would record on the cassette tapes and send it down to the correspondence mm -hmm. school in Wellington. Um, so it was always there for me, my connection with Maori culture. And then, you know, I went to uni and got to uh, study with, like I got to study gratefully with Uncle Bob and um, from Wakahuia and just, uh, you know, learnt, Te Reo Māori with Margaret Mutu, so some and Hone Sadler, some of well-known people in Te Ao Māori. And yeah, so it's just something I've always been connected to mm. in my uh, Māori tanga. Yeah, just on I, what I found interesting really is, you know, you, your initial comment about being brought up in a Pākehā context, which for for people who don't know, who aren't from New Zealand, um, Pākehā is the word that's used commonly in New Zealand for non-Māori. Um, yeah, and then you describe all these uh, touch points where you where Māori was really important to you, um, and I think often, I mean, your upbringing is certainly not unusual. It's 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 the norm now for most um, Māori um, to be brought up in the city, away from their home. But also, I think what's really important, um, which is quite hard to recognise, is that Māori culture does come through, and they're not obvious ways. You know, it's not it's not always about the language. Um, or kapahaka, but it might be just how you learn to look after manuhiri because of uh, the examples given from your mother um, that have been passed down to you, you know. So the, so the subtle cultural context, um, while not obviously Māori, does 
um, exist in there. And I think it's always there sparking, creating a spark inside you to want to connect to something deeper and to, to go back home and to be connected to where you're from. So I just, yeah, just acknowledging what you were saying and thinking that um, actually that's quite a, a normal Māori upbringing these days. And I think what's what we need to do is just keep finding ways to be able to um, be Māori in an urban context. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take you on to the um, the next step um, in terms of you moving on. But before we do, just some mahi um, to the people who are acknowledging us on here. So we've got um, Renice, who um, listens to us regularly. Bonjour from Paris. Kia ora, Renice. Um, and Zia, who's our Ngāti Dāna chairperson here in London. Uh, kia ora. Uh, there you go. And this one here from, uh, here we go, Beck. Yeah, I remember when Amelia used to teach community outreach dances, classes, uh, dance classes, specifically the styles of dance that stem from hip-hop to young people in really marginalised communities here in Australia. And they were down, and they were drawn to her, the skill, the passion, the ability to connect was second to none. That's lovely. Thanks, Beck. And um, <laughs> Jerry, one of our kuya here in London. Hey, so Amelia, just coming back onto what we were talking about in terms of you that taking those ideas into another part of the world, you know, what you've been given as Māori and then sharing them with others. Tell us a bit about that and specifically learn Māori abroad. Cool. Um, well, my business is called Learn Māori Abroad and um, I started that probably about two and a half years ago now. So um, things kind of, in terms of my hip-hop dancing, things shifted for me once I had kids and so you know, once, uh, you know, often priorities change once you have tamariki children running around. So um, so I started up our Los Angeles-based kapahaka group. Uh, we are Ngā Anahira Māori, the Māori angels, or Los Angeles Māori, um, because Ngā Anahira means the angels, and Los Angeles is the angels in Spanish. And so um, I started up a kapahaka group in LA once I connected with a few Māori, um, uh, actually Nico, who um, he lives in also California. He was he kind of helped connect everyone. And so it was great. So we've been going for about three years now. And then about two and a half years ago, I started teaching te reo Māori to New Zealanders living abroad who desire a deeper connection to our New Zealand culture, to our Māori culture. And so I started off with that mahi um, with 10 Kiwis who lived in New York. And uh, they were great. They were my first class teaching in Te Reo Māori too. And it was awesome. We taught. It was just over video chat. I was teaching their lessons. And um, we got featured on TV3 National News in New Zealand for Te Wiki o Te Reo Māori, um, which is Māori Language Week. So that was really awesome to have only like started my business for a couple months and already be on a national TV station in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Um, so, yeah, so I did that um, mainly because there was just, you know, becoming a mum and seeking te reo Māori to my girls. I knew like, oh, there must be other people in the same position where they want to connect with te reo Māori, but they live abroad. And so there's, 
um, no night classes, no kura, no school. They can go to, to learn Māori. It's really only online. But even with all the online courses, um, it's still not kanohi ki te kanohi face-to-face. And that's a big uh, value that we have as Māori to, you know, engage kanohi ki te kanohi face-to-face, even if it is just over video chat. And so, um, yeah, so just kind of knowing that, okay, there, there's others out there who want to connect with the reo, want to learn te reo Māori, but they, you know, they feel stopped because they don't live in Aotearoa. And so I was like, okay, let me see. And so I posted in a few groups, uh, Facebook groups that are in America. And I was like, hey, I'm, you know, thinking about teaching Te Reo Māori who would be interested. And I had a few people respond. So then I was like, okay, cool. So I created a curriculum. Uh, my course is eight weeks. Uh, and I teach one-on-one classes as well as group classes. So I created my curriculum and then I, I started teaching. And so, um, and it kind of went from there. I just, you know, always had, um, people wanting to learn te reo who were based overseas. And I realized, um, yeah, there's a really big hole there that there's a lot of people living abroad who uh, don't have access to learn te reo Māori. And so um, that's where Learn Māori Abroad was created uh, from that whakaro, that thinking. So who are these people who's interested in learning te reo? So I get it's a range of different people. So um, in New York, it was 10 Kiwis all living abroad. Um, I've taught students in Scotland. My Scottish student, she was Scottish Māori, um, but she grew up in Scotland, so she didn't have that connection. Um, um, I've got students in the UK who, you know, they're Māori or they're married to someone who is Māori. That was a common one. I worked with an American girl who had a Māori boyfriend in New Zealand, um, worked with couples where one of the partners is Māori or from New Zealand and the other one is American. Um, also, you know, work with Māori who want to learn the language, learn our reo and connect. Um, and the common feature that I find with uh, those of us who are living abroad is that when you are living abroad, you do have a deeper desire to connect with um, your Māori heritage, your Māori identity, if you are Māori, or your New Zealand heritage, if you are from New Zealand, because um, the Māori culture is something we all, you know, we all share and we're all proud of as, as Kiwis when it comes to that, you know, global context. Um, and also just for those, um, I have students right now who have no connection to New Zealand, but they are in a, a halal, they love dancing hula, and they just love the Polynesian culture. So they're learning Māori. So it's, it's fantastic. So really a whole range of different reasons why people choose to learn te reo Māori. Another one of my students, he was um, Pākehā. He wasn't, he was a New Zealander, but he want, wanted to learn Māori so he could speak to his baby, speak to his children. So yeah, many, many reasons why people choose to learn te reo Māori. Um, and I do find that it is, it's a tangible thing that people can do to, to connect back to New Zealand, to Aotearoa, to connect to the Māori identity or New Zealand identity or Polynesian identity, you know, what, wherever they are with, with that connection. So um, teaching te reo Māori, it's actually, um, kioku whakaro, in my opinion, it's actually um, it's way more than just learning Māori language. It's yeah. that um, people get to connect and get to find something to identify with. And mm. so because of that, because it is something that's rooted in, in a person's identity as, as a Kiwi or 
a Maori or as someone who loves the Polynesian culture, I think because of that, that's why it's it's been quite successful. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably jumping the gun here a bit, but I just remember, you know, when, when we did that workshop, uh, we were teaching haka, there was a lot of people that weren't Maori, but um, what they... Well, America is really intriguing because it's this melting pot of cultures, but there's no sort of encouragement for people to identify with their culture, uh, their, their ethnic culture. It's more about being American. So a lot of um, people have had their, you know, the specific ethnic culture denied to who they are, and they don't know a lot about it, and they feel a bit lost. Um, and so I can really see how, you know, important it is to keep connected um, through things like what you're doing with um, Learn, Learn Māori Abroad. Um, so how, I know you've been teaching kapahaka as well and tikanga as well. So just take us on that journey uh, as well, Amelia. Sure. Um, so, you know, I started teaching the reo about two and a half years ago, but I only started teaching haka at the beginning of last year. And um, I'm not sure if you know, but Carl was, was a big factor in that. It's quite monumental. Um, I connected with um, Carl's fiance at the time over Facebook because um, they were looking for people to perform the haka in New York and that they actually only wanted all men and so I said oh well you know I'm in LA let me know if you need any wahine any woman and so um, we kept in touch and then um, his fiance at the time she told me hey Carl's gonna be in California you guys should meet up and I was like yes I'd love to meet up with Carl I'd love to meet with any Maori who are in LA uh, there's not many of us in LA so it's always awesome to meet, you know, someone Maori in Los Angeles. Um, so um, I messaged him. I was like, hey, let's meet up. And, and then he ended up asking me, hey, you know, we've been doing these public haka workshops in London. Um, do you want to do a workshop together in L.A.? And I was like, yes, let's do it. And so um, actually the workshop I taught with Carl in January last year was my first time teaching haka to, to adults. Um, because before then, I had only taught tamariki to children. Um, and I did feel whakama about teaching the haka because, because I'm, I'm a woman. And so there's, you know, a few conversations going on about that. But, um, but it was actually with Kyle that was my first time teaching the haka. Um, and then as a side note, I've been teaching dance for about 20 years. So... Um, in terms of like teaching dancing, that's something that I've been doing um, for a very, very long time. So that's been my main career um, in my life. It's teaching dancing. And so in terms of the teaching aspect of dancing, um, that's fine for me because um, I've been doing it for so long. But I did have a bit of whakama or, you know, unsureness about teaching haka as a woman. Um, so it did kind of take me on this process to, um, you know, talk to my mum about it and then, you know, had her blessing to be teaching the haka in L.A. Um, and, yeah, just, you know, talk to Carl about it, often would check in with him about, like, oh, what should I do about this? Or I think this person is teaching the haka and they're not Maori. Or, you know, just keeping in touch with um, Fano and, you know, we Maori about you know the tikanga and things around it, but um, but I think um, but yeah. So Carl came. We taught a haka workshop together in January two thousand nineteen. Then he left back to the UK, and 
Um, then I had someone, then I found someone looking for a haka teacher at a Pilates studio in LA. So I reached out to them and it ended up being an old woman, a haka workshop, which was great. And then I was kept on getting inquiries about people wanting to learn the haka. So I'm like, yeah, I can teach the haka um, because, you know, I find that people want to learn the haka from someone who is actually Maori, who's grown up in New Zealand and who kind of, you know, knows about the haka and the tikanga behind it and all that. Um, and so then what I found is that there is no Maori teaching the haka in uh, a lot of part, a lot of America. And so I really stumbled across, um, you know, I believe it was my ancestors, uh, as Maori we believe in our ancestors, you know, guiding us and protecting us. But um, I've only been teaching haka uh, since last year and yeah so I so since then I was you know traveling and teaching the haka I was teaching with Carl teaching for different Polynesian groups um, different New Zealand groups um, different corporate companies so it really took off and I think a big part of that is because um, people really want to learn the haka in America and there are hardly any Maori in America who are teaching the haka, poi, te reo Māori or performing. And so, and I think with Carl too, often coming over to America for his mahi, again, it's because there's not really anyone doing it in, in America, which, so then, you right. know, you, you guys um, are coming up. Yeah, I mean, you've touched on a couple of really interesting issues in what we're trying to sort of explore around here. And, I, you know, and it's, and I know it's not always easy to explore them. I think one of them is, what is why are people interested in learning haka? Or and again, as you know from these workshops, it's, it's not exactly haka that they're after. It's something more. There's something deeper that's going on for them. Um, and also, what are the issues for you? Not just as a woman, as a Maori, as a person that um, that you've had to think about when it comes to teaching. But I mean, the easy one for me to, to question, I suppose, is you, the fact that you said you felt there were issues with being a woman uh, and teaching haka and I mean, what are those issues? And then how did, I mean, you touched on how you dealt with them, but I suppose there's, a, there's an issue of, okay, you start off going, okay, how do I do this? Um, should I be doing this? And then you come to a point where you think, yes, it's okay. What was that process that you went through? So I guess, um, so to begin with, so when I was doing like, uh, you know, kapahaka at uh, university, um back then how how they'd do it is they would they would just teach the haka to all the men and the women would sit out and watch and then we'd switch the women would all get up and do the poi and the men would sit out and watch um now this was oh quite some time ago now i'd say about 20 years ago now um so you know things have changed a lot but but back then that's just what it was and i know you know other wahine in my kapahaka group had a similar experience um, here in New Zealand that they would just you just watch the boys do the haka and the girls would then get up and do the poi and so there was I mean you know this was a while ago but yeah there was this kind of segregation around the haka and so that's you know what I grew up learning um, I did kapahaka too at secondary school and I went to but I went to an all-girls school and so we we never even did a haka we did an entrance you know like uh, but 
we didn't do a we didn't learn a haka and so I think just how I'd been um, my exposure to kapa haka and then um yeah was kind of that's why I was like okay you know I don't feel like it's my place to teach the haka but then because of the situation I was in and you know there's no one else teaching the haka and then the one person who is teaching the haka Nico moves outside moves out of California so you know I'm in this position and at the end of the day would I rather teach the haka when I you know know about the ao Maori I speak Maori I'm raised in New Zealand and learned kapa haka from you know some really high profile te ao Maori people um am I going to teach or is it going to be someone else who's learnt off YouTube, hasn't even been to New Zealand. So I'm like, it's going to be me. Because at the end of the day, uh, you know, one of my whakaro thoughts is that, yeah, it, it does need to be Māori who are teaching the haka. And so, um, so yeah, so that's how that's how it started. And, you know, Carl, again, was very monumental in that by inviting me to um, co-teach with him for our first Los Angeles workshop. So that kind of was kind of, the friendly push that I needed or like, you know, to tip the balance and then kind of just went from there and just kind of opened floodgates to for Mahi. So, yeah. Um, um, yeah. I mean, well, I think when I think back to that workshop, I mean, it was a real pleasure to be able to teach with you. And I also know, um, well, you're a good communicator and, you know, you, in terms of, where you come from, I think you come from a pl an authentic place um, and wanting to share for the right reasons. Um, and I think it's a really good point that there are people out there who are teaching, who aren't Māori, who um, haven't learned in a Māori context. And the, I think the best way to defeat them, or you know, because they need to not do what they do, as far as I'm concerned, um, is to say, hey, this is an alternative. We are Māori. We know this. Um, this form of dance, we know the, the ideas behind it, um, it belongs to us, um, you should come, if you want to learn it properly, you should come to us and we can teach. Um, and if we don't do that, other people are going to pop up and start teaching. Um, so that, that's a real danger. Um, but what I want to say is that when, when we worked together, what, was I, what I was really impressed with was just the way that you seemed to blend um, just not just your um, tikanga Māori side of things, but there is a lot of um, movement with your dance and your teaching, which helped to get people in a meditative state, which helped people to start to flow into haka quite easily. And I thought that was really impressive. So just tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I've been teaching dancing for 20 years, so I'm, you know, very familiar with how to run a run a dance studio run a you know run a class a dance class and so you know I think when you're teaching dancing you often build so you know you start off with stretches and then you uh, might go into some little move that's more specific and then you can build on that across the floors and then then learn the choreography or the routine and so you know I think just how I um, structure the class it builds people up to it so it's not like go do the haka right now and because you do need to build um especially for people who've never done the haka before there is like a process to get to that space and so what i do in my workshop is um there's a lot of letting go a lot of um releasing that needs to happen before 
So there's space there for you to fully engage with um, what the haka really is. Um, if not, you, you're doing it on the basis of it, it, just, it doesn't work because then you can't experience the fullness of it. So you do need to release a lot. And so I think that's what Carl means when he's talking about the meditative approach where you, you are letting go of things that aren't serving you, like negative thoughts, things that are not working, because all those kind of thoughts and things will um, inhibit you from being fully self-expressed when you do the haka. And then the other important part of it is um, grounding into Papa Tuanuku and to our Earth Mother. Um, and that first requires you to get present to, you know, our Earth Mother who nourishes us and is she's our one mother that we all have. And so connecting to to the energy of our Earth Mother, Papa Tsuanuku, um, really to um, connect and empower us to then be able to perform the haka. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I think... Uh, what people love about haka is it is a state of being you know you're you're so present you're so alive in the moment not just as yourself but as a group of people a community a team um all, all expressing yourself at, uh, at a height of intensity uh and it does take a lot of letting go to get to that point and i love the way you've described that um and we have as maori of course um we're already sort of we're already connected into that place of being but we still carry stuff, you know. We still carry things from the day, whether it's an argument with um, your your partner, or you're stuck in traffic and something heavy weighs on you, and you know, and when you, you can't go and do haka with all that stuff sitting on your head, so you have to clear clear it from yourself. And we have our own um, tikanga to help do that. You know, we have karakia and we have um, mihi mihi just to sort of connect us with who we really are and connect us with um, each other. But they're quite. I mean, they're quite complex ideas in another language, so it's quite difficult for people to understand those processes because they're in te reo, um, our, our Māori language. So it's really good to find other ways to help people do that, and it is through um, using our body and physicalizing ourselves and connecting and being present within our body. So I really enjoyed um, working with you and seeing you do that. Um, another thing um, I, I wanted to ask is that you know, when we did these workshops in LA, what I what I love about people in LA is they just got so much enthusiasm. They're all dancers, they're all actors, they're all wannabes, and they'll just get into it. You know, they'll just give anything a go, and so they don't have any shame or fakama um, associated with getting up and and doing haka. And um, yeah, so that was kind of that was exciting. Um, but I just wanted to ask, what what do, why do you think people who come to a workshop um, and they weren't I mean, we had a couple of New Zealanders, a few Maori, but the majority were from these from different cu cultures, um, American, but have different ethnicities. I found that really interesting. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, to me, I think that um, people really find a deep, meaningful, and spiritual connection to to our Maori, to our Maori culture, and to the haka and. Um, in America especially, a lot of people don't know who they are or where they come from for, for very for many, many different reasons. Um, America is really a melting pot and there's people from all over the world there. And, you know, a lot of times through no fault of their own, they, they don't know where they come from. Um, and then at, so as Māori, though, that's that's very important to us, knowing, knowing where we come from, knowing our whakapapa, our family genealogy, you know, knowing uh, about tribes, about iwi. And so, um, you know, a big part of the reason I share 
the Māori culture in the US is so people have something to connect to, something that's real, authentic, something that's um, been passed on from generations to generations, and it's this ancestral knowledge, this ancestral wisdom. And so, um, you know, people do come because they want to experience the haka, they want to experience, you know, the feeling, you know, the phenomenon that it is. Um, but I also think they they connect to it on a very deep spiritual level, and that's really why people, I believe, are really drawn to the haka and to te ao Māori, the Māori culture. I'm back. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> yeah. Where do you see this going into the future for you? Well, the future shifted a little, uh, you know, lately uh, with the whole COVID thing. Um, so right now I'm just focusing on my uh, Te Reo Māori, my Māori language classes because um, they're online and they've always been online um, before all this happened. So um, that's become my focus now, my uh, online classes. But, you know, once hopefully things settle and, you know, um, after some time, um, the hope is that I would, I can, you know, rebook all the workshops that got postponed and, you know, start sharing haka and poi again in America. So that's the plan once things settle down. Okay. Um, so... Um, I really enjoyed listening to you and hearing about your journey and, um, you know, you've been at this for quite a while now. And I just think if there's anybody else out there um, that is interested in going on the same journey, what would you, what would your advice be to them in terms of someone leaving home, going overseas and sharing our culture? Um, my advice would be, um, you know, go for it if that's, you know, what you feel you're being called to do or if that's your passion i definitely encourage you to do that um you know go overseas and establish yourself uh, so you can share the maori culture i think uh, one of the biggest things you know and this is just me speaking from my experience but it's that here in aotearoa i feel like a lot of maori don't realize how valuable that our, our culture is like a, a lot of maori and you know and, the, and there's nothing wrong with this but i also see that um you know a, a lot of maori there's there's a lot of resources out there nowadays to learn the language to learn about the culture it's all free courses but a, a lot of people don't they don't see the value in it and so you know again i think that's another good thing about traveling because then you do see the value of it and um it's amazing how um, people respond to me just you know me coming as you know someone sharing the culture and it's just incredible like people are so grateful that I'm sharing the culture they give me like gifts and stuff and I'm like oh my gosh like it's I feel so grateful um you know I get flown around America and it's I'm yeah it's like I'm living the dream and I'm so grateful for that and I just want people to know um Ngāiwi Māori I want you to know like like we've got something we're so lucky we've, we've got our cultures you know um we've still got a lot of our culture in comparison to other indigenous people. And so just to, you know, uh, just knowing like it's really valuable and how, how, how important it is for us to um, be kaitiaki of our, our taonga, our culture, te ao Māori, tikanga Māori, you know, and doing everything we can to make sure we can pass it on to our future generations. So, yeah, sure. I, think, I 
think that's really important for Māori to know. And then if you do want to come to America, definitely, uh, you know, send me a message. I'd love to connect with you. Um, you know, a part of the reason why there aren't a lot of uh, Māori or New Zealanders in America is because uh, the immigration process is is a lot, it's a lot more challenging than if you wanted to go to UK. It's, you know, it's a lot easier as a New Zealander for you to move to London. Um, but if you do want to come to America, do uh, connect with me and, you know, so I can talk or support you. Um, because, yeah, there's, it's, it's, it's not as, I don't think it's as easy because, you know, um, with the UK, it's like the Commonwealth. And so you can get a visa, I think, easier, but, but it's possible. So if it's something you're really passionate about, I'd love to team up assist you however i can having gone through that process before kia ora amelia i just want to say um yeah i acknowledge you and and agree with you in terms of our what we've been given we are lucky you know and we need to um it's hard to understand that until we leave home um and you know of course we've, and for a lot of us we've been told all our lives that um what we have is not going to get you anywhere in life your, your maori language won't get you anywhere kapahakas you know waste of time um, our Māori culture um, has no value outside New Zealand and we've found exactly the opposite, uh, that people all want to feel some sense of connection and belonging um, to their communities and to, to the land. And this is what we've been given and we've been able to take with us. So, um, you know, just <laughs> I just really want people to remember that, you know, to know that. And then there's so many opportunities out there. There's billions of people out there um, that want to connect uh, in the same way and you know I think we should be out there doing that but of course there are restrictions too you know and, and we've got to be careful and protect the knowledge that we've been given which I think you just touched on at the end there um, that we need to respect what's been given to us and treat it in a way which um, maintains that integrity um, and doesn't diminish it in any way uh, and that's been really strong in who we are and our beliefs, especially when dealing with people who want to take um, what we have and use it for their own purposes. And um, we've got to be really careful. Okay, um, I'm just going to show this one up here. This, we'll finish on this with um, Zia Jones. He says, you got to get Taika on the real waka in LA, Ehoa. So can't, can't agree more. Um, isn't he an inspiration right now? You know, he's, um, I don't know, I, I read this uh, article about all these celebrities who are reading Roald Dahl books. Um, they were really famous celebrities, but the one they headlined the um, article with was Taika Waititi and celebrities. You know, so it's really cool to see. Um, and also just want to finish with the release. What a beautiful young woman you are. Keep shining your light, lovely. So that's, yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we finish off? I know um, we, we need to finish with a waiata, so um, I'll let you say uh, kupu. Um, and then, you know, Thank you, Carl, for this interview. I've really loved coming onto your podcast and sharing you know, my whakaro, my thoughts about te ao Māori and my mahi in America. Um, if you are uh, living abroad and you do have a desire to learn te reo Māori, I'd love to connect with you. I, uh, my page on Instagram is at Learn Māori Abroad or on Facebook it's Learn Māori Abroad. Feel free to drop me a message. I have a, another course starting next month. I'd love you to 
come on board the real waka for all of us who are living abroad. Uh, I also teach one-on-one -on -one lessons via video chat. Um, and then my last announcement is I am teaching for UCLA, which is uh, one of the universities in Los Angeles. I'm teaching a haka workshop for UCLA this Wednesday, May 20th, and that is Pacific time. So you can find the info about my haka workshop on my Facebook page. It's free. Um, it's for the university, but it's open to the public. Anyone's allowed to attend. So feel free to join Join me there on uh, on the UCLA Zoom. It'll be awesome to, to have uh, people joining from all over the world. Um, and yeah, that's, that's all. Thanks so much, Carl. And yeah, it's been great chatting to you. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> All right, anai te pahiwata no ngatiwai. Ta kiri kote ata kiranga huru eki kaira roheki eki ite tari atu ana ya kota wenaiwi. Hey ho a toake, ite waka whenua roa i mokawe. Ite waka whenua roa i ngati wae. Nō reira, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. Kia ora rai te tua hine, ngā mihi atu ki a koe ngā tiwai a moe nei kōrero a whakahirahira i tēne wā. Ka huriki a koutu katoa, nō reira ngā mihi tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, kia ora mai tātou. Kia ora.